The reading this lunchtime is taken from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Well, can I add my welcome to Mark's if you've joined us since the start of the service. I need God's help, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this is a challenging parable to hear, so please give me the wisdom and grace I need to teach it well, and please give all of us ears to heed your word. Amen. Back in 2015, a YouGov poll revealed that 48% of the population believed that if there was an afterlife, that they would be judged favourably at the pearly gates. 42% weren't sure, with 10% believing that they would be heading for hell. I wonder what you would say. This is a deeply uncomfortable subject for us to be addressing. The very idea that God will judge us is instantly unpalatable in our contemporary culture. But Jesus was the most loving person who ever lived, and he chose to tell this parable. So we've got to assume that he loves us so much that he wants us to hear it. The parable is addressed to the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, who held some pretty deep-rooted assumptions basically presuming as the well-off, respected and upright in society, they had a golden ticket to heaven. And yet Jesus uses this parable amongst others to challenge them and to shake them out of their complacency. And as we look at it together, it's worth listening up, as I think there are a few challenges for us too, as well as our friends and colleagues. As we look at the parable, we see that it breaks into two characters, two destinies, and two requests. So firstly, the two characters. In verse 19, we meet our first character, the rich man, a successful man who was not shy in showing off his wealth. Dressed in tailor-made suits of fine purple, the hallmark of extravagance at the time, 
In fact, dye was so expensive to make, it was priced higher than gold. He even wore designer underwear made from fine linen. He lived in the heights of luxury every day, grand house, servants, multi-course, fine dining. He certainly lived the good life. But he was also self-absorbed and didn't even give the slightest thought to the beggar laid out by his gate who had to walk past every day as he went about his business. In verse 20, we meet our second character, the beggar. And what a contrast. He's clearly suffering, and rather than fine linen, he's clothed in sores. He's so desperate for food that he'd be happy with a few scraps from the rich man's table. On a Friday evening, you'd probably find him rooting around in the rubbish bins if he had the energy left to stand, desperate for just something to eat. And his only company is the dogs, even they came and licked his sores, verse 21. And bear in mind, these wouldn't have been some cute puppy dogs. These were no cockapoo or labradoodle. These were either wild dogs or guard dogs. They were not exactly man's best friend. And yet, despite this sad scene, surprisingly, we learned that this man had a name. He was called Lazarus, which feels important. In fact, commentators on this passage say that there is no other person in all of Jesus' parables who is given a name. A name is a privileged thing. It means you have a relationship with someone. And the meaning of his name was even more significant. It meant, God is my helper. This was a man who believed in God and was trusting in him. He was known personally by God and had a relationship with him. One man looked as though he had everything, and the other looked as though he had nothing. Yet the one who seemed rich was nameless, self-reliant and self-justifying, verse 15. But he didn't know God. Whilst the one who looked poor knew he was helpless and had accepted God as his helper. As you look at the two characters, it's worth stopping to ponder who you'd rather be. It's so easy to envy those who look like they have everything, isn't it? But it's worth asking whether their envy is always well-placed. Let's move to our next scene to find out more. So no sooner do we meet our two characters than they are dead. First the beggar died, and then the rich man follows suit. And in the same way that their lifestyles were starkly different, so too were their destinies. So my second point, two destinies. Lazarus's death would probably have gone unnoticed by most. There would have been no funeral or gathering to celebrate his life. He didn't even get a burial. <coughs> and yet his death wasn't unnoticed by God. And he was carried by the angels to heaven, where he sat at Abraham's side, verse 22. In contrast, the rich man would have had a proper sending off and burial. You can imagine the funeral, crowds gathered to mark his life. Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way, apparently the most popular song choice at funerals these days, being played at top volume. And yet his destiny was very different from that of Lazarus. In verse 23, we see that the rich man ended up in Hades, in hell, and he's in torment. The very fact that he had done it his way had not gone unnoticed by God either. He'd lived for self, his love was his money, 
and now he got the destiny that he deserved and wanted. It's worth saying that his problem wasn't simply that he was rich. His problem was that he had no regard for God and this led him to justify himself and disregard others. It's often said that death is the great leveller, which is true in one sense, we all die. But in another sense, there's greater inequality in death than in life itself. The two destinies of the two characters couldn't be further apart. And whilst we need to remember that this is a parable and we can't take every single detail literally, the story is still pointing to real destinies after we die. It's sobering and uncomfortable to think about hell and judgment, but the fact that Jesus spoke about it frequently and he never minced his words. Whilst we don't like it, it's actually a massive kindness that he does speak about them, as it does it to warn us so that we can respond before it's too late. He wants us to see the danger we're in if we're merrily living our life without him. This parable is rather like a road warning sign before a sharp bend is there to stop the driver careering off the road out of control. The big question is, will we pay attention to the warning sign? It's here to save lives. So two characters, two destinies, and lastly, we get two requests. In verse 24, our rich man cries out to Father Abraham, asking for him to have pity on him, and then requests that Lazarus be sent to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. Even now, our rich man thinks he can use his influence to strike a good deal. He assumes Abraham will listen to him as he always got his way before. It's striking that even after death, the rich man displays absolutely no remorse or repentance at the way he has treated Lazarus and still expects him to serve him. But Abraham is very clear it's too late. Verse 25. Son, remember in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. It's very clear that once dead, our destiny is fixed, and there's absolutely no way of changing it. There's no second choice, second chance. If we die without repenting and seeking forgiveness from God, the destination is set forever. The rich man got to enjoy the good life for a short time, but his destiny post-death was fixed for eternity. The same is true for Lazarus. It's really hard to hear, but Jesus wants us to hear the urgency. It's so easy to put off thinking about Christian stuff, thinking that we'll get to it one day. After all, life is busy, particularly in Parliament. We may be doing well, having successes, even influencing for good. Yet time is running out. Just like with Lazarus, God wants us to know him, but we need to admit that we need his help and turn to him before it's too late. The rich man was probably not anticipating that he would die when he did. 
And the reality is that none of us know exactly when our days will end either. Returning to our parable, the rich man is not prepared to give up at the first rebuttal, so he presents a second request. This time he begs Abraham to send Lazarus to his family to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment as well. Sometimes we hear people joking that if I'm going to be in hell, at least my friends will be there. But for the rich man, it was clear that this was no joke. There was no way that he wanted his loved ones to join him. In fact, he was desperate to warn them. But Abraham is very clear in his response, verse 29. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. They have the scriptures. God's word should be enough for them. They have a Bible gathering dust on the shelf. They just need to read it. But the rich man is not convinced. He thinks they need something else, something clearer. No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, then they will repent. We may even have said it ourselves. If only God would make himself clearer, give us a sign or a miracle, then I'll believe. But the irony is not lost in the rich man's request. Later in the Gospels, we read of another man named Lazarus, who Jesus brought back from the dead. And yet the Pharisees still continued to reject Jesus' authority. Even more significant, our whole Christian faith is built on the fact that Jesus himself died and was buried and came back to life as witnessed by hundreds of different people, but many refuse to listen or trust either. As Abraham replies in the parable, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The reason for disbelief is so rarely about inadequate evidence. The facts are there if we want to take a look. It's actually about lack of desire. Our rich man and similarly his family and friends had the option to know God, but the uncomfortable truth is that they preferred doing things their way. Can I ask you a challenging question? If you're not currently trusting Jesus today, would you be willing to look into the evidence with an open mind? If it's not... If it's not worth considering, then it's worth asking, is your unbelief actually about the evidence, or is it that you're fearing whether it may challenge your way of life? So returning to our statistics, if you were surveyed now about how you will be judged at the pearly gates, would the parable change your answer at all? Our rich man would have been in the 48% who assumed he would be in heaven and would have been shocked to discover that he was actually excluded from God's kingdom. His self-sufficiency and position in society prevented him from choosing to know God. And once he realised his predicament, it was too late. But, and it's a big but, the good news is it's not too late for us. If you recognise yourself in the rich man, comfortable and self-sufficient in life, but you don't know Jesus, Jesus longs for you to turn to him and repent. Using a car analogy again, 
Jesus' hazard warning lights are on, but it's not too late to fix the problem. Why not get hold of the Gospel today and commit to read it? We have even clearer evidence in the Scriptures than Lazarus and the rich man did. Jesus wants you to see him for who he really is. Or if you're not sure where to start, then do speak to myself or Mark. We would love to chat to you about the risen Lord Jesus. Just as he was Lazarus' helper, he can be ours too. He faced the judgment that we all deserve at the cross to give us eternal life that we don't deserve, far better than all the wealth and prestige that we get here. And if you're here as someone who assumed that you were in the 10%, that God would never want you in his kingdom, then notice the surprise of the parable. Lazarus was taken straight to heaven. He was known by God, and God cared about him, even if others didn't. And the reason he was on the inside was not because of anything that he'd done, but because he recognised his helplessness and had turned to God for help. We don't know how he ended up poor or what he'd done in his life, but we do know that he trusted God. Jesus died on the cross for Lazarus, and he's died on the cross for you too. And finally, for those of us who know Christ and are known by him, let's not forget that he's our helper, and he, he promises us an eternity that will be truly wonderful with us in his presence. An eternity that is far better than anything that this world can offer. And knowing this, let's not rely on ourselves or trust in material things, but let's live generously, pointing others to the one who knows us and telling others at the one who has given us all things. Let's turn to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the warning and the encouragement of this passage. Please help us to be those who heed the warning and desire to have a relationship with you for now and for eternity. Thank you that in Christ we have a Saviour who has faced the judgment on our behalf. And thank you that through him we can enjoy an eternal future forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.